teaching this morning kind of centered around the rapture, kind of pointed toward that area. But here's something you, you all need to think about. As we see things coming, are your children going to be grounded and ready? It's going to get worse and worse, harder and harder, a greater falling away. That's all the more important that we ought to strive to know the Word of God. And as you can see, it, it takes a lot of study. Uh, thankful for the gift of Mike Reeder being in our church, um, who uh, can bring things out uh, very well, is well studied on, on the Bible, and um, can really help us to learn. He's a gift. doesn't make him any more special. It's just a gift that God's given. And you're all gifts in, in a way. We're all part of the church together. Now, I'm going to be finishing Never, part, uh, part three. Um, we're going to finish up the message today. So once again, go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, though it's taken us three weeks to get through this portion of Scripture, I mean, we could spend a year on it if we like. I do not consider it a series. It's just a singular message that has taken three weeks to finish. Okay? Um, we're not adapt to three-hour messages. <laughs> uh, so, the message that I entitled Never... And, and I'm going to go back over some things, and it kind of sounds repetitive, but if you listen closely, there's slightly different angles as we go through here. But I'll try to jump through the first two messages to get us caught up to this third message. But the message that I entitled Never was given by inspiration of Winston Churchill's early on in World War II. In short, Nazi Germany, led by Hitler, had Winston and the United Kingdom shoved in a corner like an overpowering bully demanding allegiance or else. We have seen the oh-so-common picture, the picture in childhood when the bully and perhaps his buddies corner a fearful student and demand his lunch money before they let him go. You've got that picture in your mind. But don't we love it when that fearful student gets the courage and resolve to fight back and never get in, give in regardless of the consequences. You've got to love it. He's the underdog. This world loves an underdog. That student may come out battered and bruised. He may have had his money taken from him, but he can say without doubt he never gave it. There's something about that. Just that. This is what Winston Churchill led his country to do, to fight the bully regardless of the consequences. Two, at the end, whatever that end may be, it can be said that they did all to stand. Ephesians 6.13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. This world and its prince, Satan, whether by direct evil or more commonly through subtle submission techniques, seeks to put 
Christians in a fearful, powerless position to preach the gospel and to keep Satan's own children, the lost, into a no-way-out devotion to him. You start to witness. Step out there and start talking to people. And you can turn that conversation into the Lord. The last couple times I found out these people don't want to hear it. They're back there. They're, they're in chains with Satan. They don't want to hear it. What's best for them? It's amazing. Ephesians 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong, it says what? In the Lord. And in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells us how to establish our mind that we might defeat this bully. And we've labeled them as nevers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your encouragement. I thank you for the songs that lift me up to just praise you, just to remember who you are. Be reminded every day of what we're up against and to be encouraged to fight the good fight. Now I pray, especially for the men, as we're speaking about, as we're celebrating Father's Day today, that they would stand up and fight. That they would take these points in 2 Timothy to heart. And desire and to be encouraged to stand for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. As a matter of review it says, Thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love where this starts. It's pretty much everything else is supported by this first verse. Never forget whose son you are. It is not your strength. It is in God's strength. You know what cures the bully? A big brother or your dad. You know what keeps the bully around? You trying to handle it yourself and hide the situation from those who have the power to cure it. That little kid who's bullied needs to go to his dad, get his big brother, and that will be resolved. And that's how it is for us as Christians today. We need not to try in our own power, but in the power of God we must fight. When Satan was tempting Christ in the wilderness, he was trying to get him to do one thing. For Jesus to act in his own power. That's it. You know what made Jesus sinless? He never did anything of himself, only what the Father told him to do. How did Christ fight him? By saying what his Father says, period. It wasn't easy either. 
you fight in your might or with the insufficient tools of the law, you lose. When you fight with thus saith the Lord, you win. Verse 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Never forget our responsibility to train others, beginning with your children and teaching them getting the gospel out. It's going to get tougher and harder. Folks, we need to be even more <laughs> desirous and, and, and work harder at getting the word of God in ourselves first and then into others. You know, part of this church, I, I, I felt compelled. We're losing solid churches. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a good effort to, to build a solid church that will preach the truth. Verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Never give up. I mean, never. Now, I grew up, I was a younger boy with a lot of older kids that I ran around with. And I was talking to somebody else, and I've noticed this, that in bigger families, a lot of times the younger ones become very good athletes. I'll tell you how I grew up. They were always bigger than me, and I was playing with them, and I would never give up. I feel like I could beat them. They were way bigger, but I just kept trying, kept trying. When I lost, I went in the house and cried. That's, that's what you're looking at. But it did something. It made me very good at a lot of silly things today. <laughs> you know, throwing a ball or catching a ball or whatever, anything around a ball. Also, on the negative side, being the younger one, just some ideas for your parents, the older ones taught me some bad things, and I tried to own up to what they wanted to. I had a filthy mouth. It still plagues me today. The words still want to come out and come out at times. I have to just fall down before the Lord and apologize. But there's something about never giving up. Okay? Verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Never allow the things of life to run your life. But rather to be a disciplined soldier. That's our job. Remember, he's made us to be a soldier. Following orders from headquarters. Never forget your single purpose in life. This is it. You can keep it this simple. To please Jesus. That's it. It's your orders. To please Him who made you a soldier. Verse 5, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Never try to do God's will in the flesh. The flesh is weak. It loves itself. And it is against the spirit, whatsoever is of the flesh is of the flesh, whatsoever is of the spirit is of the spirit. The two don't never come together, okay? We can produce synthetic fruit in the flesh. You'll see it all the time in churches. But your great works that you think are great and that you do will be deemed as cheated, cheating and rejected by God one day. 
there's going to be some big name preachers that are going to lose reward. You think they've done these things, but if they've done it in the flesh, it is of no use. The husbandman that laboreth must first be partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Verse 6 and 7. Never forget to be constantly tasting your spiritual fruit crop against God's word. We can easily be fooled into thinking that our ideas and goals are godly. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we should strive and we should think and try to do things. But we are masters at lying to ourselves. Now, since it's Father's Day... Though you mothers, I'll just let you figure out your own issues for yourself today. I won't bring them out in the open. <laughs> but let me pick on the hunters, because we have hunters. About everyone here is into hunting to some degree. There's nothing wrong with hunting. There's a good purpose in it. But how many times do I hear the lame excuse, excuses of saying that, you know, this is the least expensive way, the best meat to get on, you know, all those sort of things. That's some of the most expensive meat you'll ever eat, okay? But it's not wrong to hunt. And there's some good things and some right things, but you need to ask the Lord about those things. And I could throw in golfing and uh, softball, we're starting a softball league here. Um, we really need to think about it. We need to taste that. Are we talking ourselves into something so we can have more of it and we're getting, and we're going to talk a little bit here about getting farther away from the Lord with something? How is this activity bringing me closer to God? That's the only thing that's important. And, and it can. Vacations and all those kind of things can help in the right way, in the right mode, or they can take you away from God. Okay? How am I pleasing him with this? Is this activity leading me closer to God? And my family closer to God? Verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ is of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Hey, you know what this guy's life's about, huh? It's a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Never forget who Christ is, what he has done for us. Never forget to refresh our purpose and our standing in Christ. Never forget to fellowship in the church, to be involved, to take the Lord's Supper, testifying of his goodness all the time. These things should be constant activity and keep us encouraged, and it will be especially important in the tough times. Verse 15, study to show thyself approved unto a God, unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Man, I'm going to point something out here. Never forget to work at knowing 
the Word of God. This is so important. If you listen this morning, I, Brother Mike did, uh, did a really good job, and I felt it was fairly simple, but I've sat in that seat where sometimes it's like, ah, I can't catch it. Don't get discouraged. We'll talk about it again and again and again, and you'll get it down, but you need to understand the Word, word of God. You need to work at it. He uses the term workman. Can it be said that you know the Word of God as well as the trade you work in? Think about that. It's important. Verse 16 through 18, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is, and we were talking about some of this, this morning, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Oh, you missed it. Resurrection's past. Man. And it overthrows some. Never forget to shun ungodly conversations and shun the people who use ugly, nonsensical, or substantiated by the Word of God conversations. No matter how good they are at spreading it. And they are good. I mean, I've, I've listened. There was a preacher that I was listening to. Man, he had up there, but then all of a sudden, this thing turned, and I'm like, man, this guy's a heretic. <laughs> and man, there's people jumping up and had him up in the flesh and really doing it, but once you measure that on the Word of God, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people who can spread bad stuff really well. 19 through 21, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, and also of wood and of earth, some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. Let me give you the negative of that. If you hang around with it, you're not meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. We ended last week with this. Never be found hanging around with the fakes of Christianity. This not only refers to Christianity in general, Christians you'll meet from all different backgrounds and religions, but also in church. Now I can, I, I feel like we have every member of this church as gold. We grow much in a great house. There's going to be stuff that comes in, folks. I have been in churches where I've had there's gold and they're gold to me today. And I can go back, like to Kazabdale, to Winchester, to Bethel, and there are some that are gold. You can count on. You know where their heart is. But I can clearly say I have been around in these churches of evil, dishonorable ones that made it very difficult and to take stands against and fake ones 
as well and see their family destroyed because the dad was a fake. You can't fake Christianity. There's people who come into churches business-wise. They're told to. Not that all of them are like this, but insurance agencies, um, wealth management people. Man, there's money in that. And they're good. And then they can come in. Maybe they're true and awesome and good people to work with. A lot of times they're fakes. They're there to get business. So let's finish the message and, our, and complete our list of nevers, beginning with verse 22. It says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. What are youthful lust? These are the things that seek to please three people. Me, myself, and I. You'll see it. The teenage years are the, the worst years for it. I mean, not, not all of them are like this, but for the most part, I don't get set back by selfishness of the teenage <laughs> group. But there's a time to put away our personal loves and our group of friends that share these loves. You know, when you get older and all of a sudden you get married, all of a sudden the friends you used to have and the things you used to be able to do disappear because <laughs> you're growing up. You're learning something very important. You're learning it's not about you. That's a tough transition. <laughs> Man, I remember as a teenager getting a job, and it's like getting up every morning, going to that job, coming home, sleeping, working some more, whether it's in our day, <laughs> it was working on a car. I used to have three or four cars just because I needed to keep one running so I could make sure I could get to work. I hated working on a car, but after work, I'd go and work on cars learn and I didn't have today you have uh, the internet you can find these things but there you know you look at manuals and stuff yeah those paper things you know they roll them up uh, forget what some of the names of those were and you buy them <laughs> and you work on your car carburetors and things like that you know we learn to grow up begins hard. Then what happens to you when you are setting a time to go hunting, fishing, golfing, or whatever with your son, maybe a good, good thing. However, you get a call where a brother or somebody needs some help, could use a hand for something, or you see it in the eyes of your wife as you're going out with that for me, I'll just say personally with my set of golf clubs, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to this. I can see in my wife's eyes. I don't want you to go. <laughs> what are you going to do? It's going to reveal what your priorities are, and you're going to be teaching your children what their priorities should be. If you could drop that and go serve, you've taught a good, good lesson to your family. There'll be time. God will give you time 
You will need some time to get away, but let God arrange that. Don't get bitter about that like I did. I went to throw my golf clubs that day, I remember. Oh, man, it hit me in the flesh so hard. I really wanted to do this, and yet I couldn't do it. I just, I didn't let Patty know anything, but, man, I was just, in my mind, I was picking them golf clubs up, throwing it in the trash can, you know, and having an attitude fit. Not good. Maybe I should reveal all those things to you. <laughs> Matthew 25. Turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Verse 15, and unto one he gave five talents, and we're in Matthew 25, verse 15, uh, chapter 14, verse 15, or Matthew 25, verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now I'm going to stop here for the sake of time. I'm just going to ask you one question about this guy who took the one and hid it. What did he do with the rest of his time? The other ones were busy for his Lord. He was doing something. Hunting, fishing, golfing, I don't know what he was doing. He was doing what he wanted to do. God gives us stuff to do for him. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're foolish to take a position of selfishness. Acts 20, 35, I've showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Never give selfishness a place. Um, Tim was moving yesterday. I mean, there was a, this week was a long week of doing a lot of things. But I thoroughly enjoy just helping people, whether it's Tim or somebody else here. There's no greater joy than, than helping others. You know, I have these other responsibilities i got to do, but to me, if I, if I can retire from that, then I can just invest more in helping others. That would be my, my goal. I mean, I just enjoy doing that. Just, when you see the smiles on the face, when you hear the thank yous, I care so much for you, the respect that comes, all with that, um, there's, there's nothing like it. <laughs> I'd be foolish to uh, put the bumper sticker on, I'm spending my children's inheritance, you know. <laughs> you go, well, what a, you know, what a selfish life to live. There's just so much more to God's work than that. Verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strives. I believe this is the 
third admonition concerning conversation with others in this, this chapter. It just stood out to me. Never debate dumb or difficult questions. Can God make a rock so big that he could not lift it? Is a, is a good example. There's, there's plenty of them. And I'll tell you what that is. That's the same thing when you're talking to somebody and you're trying to, to give them the gospel. They're just saying, no, 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 no. You've seen kids do that. You know, they don't want to hear what you're saying. It's just one, another way of, I don't want to hear what you have to say. There's, there's no room there. Avoid it. Move away from it. There may be questions that you have not studied. Now, my wife is really good at, at this. At close to home, there's a fellow, if you meet him, Kurtz, who is an intellect, has a vocabulary, I would say, 10 times the average, has read about every book on the planet on every subject. I mean, he does nothing but read in his room at his age. I mean, and then he'll pose, he says, he'll pose a theological question to her in his way of saying things. You know what she says? Ask Tim. <laughs> That's good. You know what? She doesn't need, doesn't belong there. Some places we just don't belong, we need to move on or pass it on or, or hey, I'll get back with you, but we also need to learn that sometimes people are just, they, they want to subvert you. Okay, we just need to realize that. And the servant of the Lord, verse 24, 25 and 26, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. This is, this is sound, sound, sound witnessing advice. Here we see the how of ministry. First of all, never strive at ministry. Sometimes we push Christ on people. <laughs> you know, we just come over the top. If, if you accept Christ, you know, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell and you need to accept Christ. And, you know, those are all true. But we, it's, it's in a striving position and it's an aggressive position. Now whatever the Lord tells you to do, do. But in a general sense here, we see never to strive at ministry. Also we see never to be harsh, but rather gentle. This seems to offer the best entrance of God's word into the heart of man. Gentle. Never giving them an understood answer, but rather, an, it says, apt to teach. Okay? A lot of times we just want to give them the answer and tell them how that is. But we have to be apt to teach. It's, when we see Christ, Christ came from a questioning standpoint most of the time. He was teaching them to teach themselves, to answer for themselves. You know, how many times can you get somebody to do something you want them to do, but it's really not in their heart to do it? They're just kind of getting you off their back. 
I've done that with some people, you know, in situations, you know, because that's the easiest way out. If I could just suffice them, I don't have to believe it, I don't have to do it, you know, but I just get them out of my thought path and I can, can move on. Like with salespeople, sometimes you got to do that just to get out of there. Apt to teach. Helping them to come to their own conclusions. <laughs> and which leads to the next point. Never being impatient. Okay? <laughs> A lot of times we want to be impatient, but rather exercise patience. Now, Andy, you and Katie ministered to a lady who eventually got saved. I forget what her name was. Jessica. How long did that take? How many? Several months. How many times met with her? But she had to come to the truth, didn't she? And it took a lot of patience. This is not like a hit and run kind of thing. Like we may think it is or we have this idea as like it is. Sometimes it can be, but somebody else has probably done a lot of watering before and you've just reaped the crop. Never in, in be in weakness nor in dominance, but rather in meekness, it says. And meekness. I kind of look at that in this context to, to confidently correct with caring and kindness. You're not weak, you just don't bow down, you do make the statement, but you're not overpowering. You know, one of the things, you know, I think as pastors and teachers and preachers, we, we don't want to intimidate. You know, we, we, we want people to come to the conclusions, but we do need to say what needs to be said. And I, I believe that's the, the meekness, a, a way to do that. And then it says never, I will call it never with expectation. It uses the term peradventure here. Peradventure. God may work in them, or he may not. Hey, folks, there's a lot of comfort in this. <laughs> this takes witnessing from duty and technique to care and love without this burden on you that it's all on you because it's really, it's God's thing. We are given the opportunity to talk to people about the Lord. Start in it. Start using these things and you'll find that it's a pleasant way and it's a right way. Never with expectation. Peradventure. God may work in them or he may not. Again, it is not our striving. Only God can open their eyes. The battle is not you and them. Although it'll feel like it at times. The Bible clearly says, you know, they've rejected Jesus, they'll reject you, they'll rail on you, but you're not the subject, and we're supposed to be, that's a grateful thing to, to be in that position in, in the Lord. The early church said they were, uh, they were excited about being persecuted, that they were worthy of that. 
So we, we don't lose, even in that situation. When God reveals truth, it's really not a battle between them and God. It's a battle of their self. It's their choice to remain in bondage or to be set free. So I'm going to end here. This is the last part of 2 Timothy chapter 2. A lot of nevers. We need to establish ourselves ever more as we see the day uh, approaching. You know, in Hebrews it talks about that. You know, ever more that we should gather together as we see the day approaching. You know what the key word is? As you see the day approaching. Some people, because they're not fighting, they're off, they don't see the day approaching. They're just living life. Oh, I've got this I'm going to do next week and that I'm going to do that week and maybe I get a new job and all these things of life. That, that's all that there is. When you start getting into it, you start looking at your children. You start looking at other people's children. You start looking at the world and you just see this stuff tumbling down. Don't think that you're just immune to that. It's getting bad and it's going to get worse. So evermore, we need to be studying. We need to be getting into church. You know, church is just a... Who set up the church? There's your answer. That's all you need. <laughs> he didn't do it for some, just for some or some crazy reason. He knew we needed it. And we need to get involved. We need to be involved with each other. And uh, i tell you what, we've got a wonderful start here, but, but never quit. Christianity. Never quit it, what God tells us to do. With the pianist coming, with heads bowed and eyes closed. We got a big bully, folks. And he's slick. He'll put you to sleep, just get you over here into your own world and live in life. That's fine. You do that. You can't be used of him. He'll get you involved with people you shouldn't be involved with. Having fun. Ah, they say a few cuss words and stuff. And, you know. But man, they're a blast. And I love talking with them. They're, you know, they really got some funny jokes. Sometimes they're a little off color. <laughs> get away from that stuff. This is what this scripture is talking about. How to gird your mind. How to be right with God. What a wonderful place it is. It's a place of peace. Yeah, might get a bloody nose here and there. There's nothing like a good bloody nose, though. I love one of the preachers I was under. He was in the military, and he said, sometimes you get in a fight. But it was for a good cause. It is a good fight. <laughs> I kind of like that, that thought. We, you know, there's some good fights to be involved in. Bloody noses will, will heal, and God's in control. So never, he says, never, never, never to do. What has God pointed out to you? Is there a weak spot here in, in your life? Now you put your foot down and say, never again, never again. He says, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus.
Jesus belongs to me. I can't remember the rest of the words. But for eternity. All right. Now, usually I have a gift for the fathers on Father's Day. I forgot. Patty forgot. But you know what? Fathers don't have gifts. You know, there was a uh, soap opera in my day called One Life to Live. You know it. <laughs> right. And it was appropriately stated. Okay? Because it's all about living this life. And you know, the lost people, that's all they have, is one life to live. But dads, any Christian, we have one life to give. It's all about giving. What? So, in lieu of my thoughts there, what we're going to do as fathers, okay, is we're going to, I got this from Father's Day, we're going to give them away, all right? So, dads, you get to, you can eat some if you want, but uh, open that up, Andy. We'll give some to, oh, got the, yeah, of course. So just give some to all the dads, and then they can give them to the kids or their wives or whatever. Just to remember, our life is to give. Yeah. All right. We're going to teach them that through our life. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings in life, for your goodness, your love. What a wonderful God you are. There is just nothing that you do is wrong or everything is right, everything is good, and we must just go after you with all we have, Lord. This life is, is short, maybe a life of giving, Lord God. Um, that's what you are. Jesus came to give his life. And so may we be endeavored to, to give our life for others, for we ask it in Jesus' name.